The scripture reading this morning is from Mark 3, 31 to 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, my sister, and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Well, today, in the spirit of Mother's Day, I thought I would do a sermon about one of the most important mothers to ever live, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, let's be honest. We Protestants don't quite know what to do with Mary, do we? We like to talk about her at Christmas. That's safe, right? But uh, we're not always sure. Uh, Our Catholic brothers and sisters, and I, I do call them Catholic brothers and sisters, do venerate Mary and pray to her in a way that a lot of us might feel uncomfortable with. Um, but still, Mary is a great and important figure. And uh, maybe it's our protesting roots, but we, we don't, I think, give her enough credit. I think we've thrown the Mary out with the bathwater, if you will. And so I want to talk about Mary today, not at Christmas time, but about sort of the arc of her life. And in showing you the life of Mary, I hope you'll get a new perspective on the life of Jesus Now, we don't know that much about Mary. We know little bits and pieces that we can put together. She was from a little town in Galilee called Nazareth, which we sing the song, A Little Town of Bethlehem. Nazareth is probably smaller than the little town of Bethlehem. Okay, it's just at the time, it's just this little uh, dinky town, uh, part of a series of towns uh, that made up the Galilee. Um, In fact, Mary's probably related to most of the village. Okay, it's one of those kind of places. Okay, she's, she's related to probably a lot of the people in the town and in the neighboring towns. Uh, and it was common to marry in your lineage, in sort of your tribe. And so in other towns nearby, she probably knew and was related to a lot of people too. We may actually know the name of Mary's father. Matthew and Luke give genealogies for, Je- for Jesus, and, and we don't read genealogies, let's be honest. Okay? But there's a lot of interesting stuff in genealogies. And one of the things that's interesting, Matthew and Luke's genealogies of Jesus are actually different. Okay? They're not the same. And in a lot of ways, they're very different. Um, this wouldn't be surprising if you married within sort of your tribe and your region that you could track a family system sort of back a few different paths. Um, but what's interesting is Joseph has a different father in both. Uh, Joseph is the son of Jacob in Matthew and the son of Heli in Luke. So Joseph, does he have two fathers? What's the deal there? Okay, that's um, various explanations have been proposed. But it's quite possible Matthew is giving the legal heritage through the father, the way a Jewish person would want to understand it. But Luke, the physician, is more interested in the biological lineage. And so a lot of scholars think that Luke gives us the genealogy not of Joseph, but of Mary. In which case, Heli is the father of Mary. We know at least one other of Mary's relatives. Who is that? Remember Elizabeth, who she goes to stay with when she finds out she's pregnant? Okay, Elizabeth is some kind of relative, probably a cousin, the mother of John the Baptist. Uh, And she is married into a priestly family and now lives somewhere outside of Jerusalem. So when Mary finds out she's pregnant, she goes to stay with Elizabeth. It's also possible that Mary is related to some of the disciples, believe it or not. 
some scholars have suggested she's related to Zebedee, the father of James and John, so that when Jesus gives uh, John charge over Mary, he's doing it really to like a cousin, to a relative to take care of Mary. We're not sure about that. We're also not sure if she's maybe related to Cleopas and his wife, Mary. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible. It's kind of a common name in those days. When we meet Mary, she's quite young. Uh, women were pretty much married as soon as their bodies were ready to have children. Okay? There's no adolescence in these days. As soon as you can have babies, you start having babies. Okay? So she's um, betrothed to a man named Joseph, a tecton in the community. That means tecton does not mean carpenter. We translate it that way. But if you ever go to Israel, there's not that much wood there. Okay, most of the stuff is not built with wood. It's made of mud and stone, and they could form bricks and some wood and some base wood. Um, but Jesus was probably more like a general contractor that he learned from Joseph. Uh, not a job that would get you rich, but not a job of poverty either. There was always work that needed to be done, and you could travel to nearby towns in the Galilee. So um, probably not a real poor family, uh, probably not a real rich family. Uh, Joseph probably would have been older, though. He would have been established in his business before he would take on, a, uh, take on a wife. The marriage is either arranged, which is likely. Uh, it was an arranged marriage, or it was a marriage that the parents did a lot of the arranging. Okay? You didn't just fall in love and go on eHarmony.com in those days. Your parents put you together. Okay? And whether this was arranged from when they were really young, or whether their parents sort of made this deal... Um, at some point, they get betrothed, which is not engaged. It means that to, to end a betrothal was divorce. Okay? It's like stage one of marriage. And then when it was appropriate and time for you to move in together and be fully married, then you would have a wedding. Uh, this would have uh, major legal consequences. If you ended a betrothal, it'd be a very public thing. So you know the story. An angel of the Lord comes to an angel comes to Mary and says that she's going to have a son. She asks the right question: How can this be? Okay, how can this be? I didn't do anything to get this baby. How am I going to have a baby? Um, the Holy Spirit. The angel says the Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. But you got to understand the jam that Mary is now in. No one is going to believe this story. Nobody is. No kid from college has ever come home pregnant. And said, no, listen, an angel came to me, right? This is not an excuse that ever worked, okay? And so it looks like, it either looks like she and Joseph didn't wait, in which case they're both shamed, or she cheated on Joseph, and uh, then she should be shamed. And in fact, if that's the case, uh, she could be stoned for adultery, okay? Um, so what does she do? She goes and sees Elizabeth in Jerusalem. She's not quite sure how to handle this. She's heard that Elizabeth is pregnant, and when she sees Elizabeth, the baby in her womb starts celebrating, doing somersaults. It's John the Baptist. That's his job is to proclaim Jesus. And so when he's around Jesus for the first time, he does that even in the womb. Mary sings a song we now call the Magnificat. It's beautiful. You need to go back and read it sometime this week. Uh, but it's very, uh, it's very pretty. It's very well. And it's probably not exactly what Mary prayed. I mean, nobody was there to record what Mary prayed. Uh, this is probably a hymn that was sort of developed later, but inspired by Mary. And Mary was around a lot of the disciples, so she may have told them some of the things she thought and prayed and sang on that day. Uh, if it is reflective of her words, and I think it is in some ways, the Mary, we also get a glimpse into Mary that she's really wicked smart. 
If you go back and read the Magnificat again, what you find is she understands Jesus. She understands Old Testament prophecy in a way that I would guess a lot of men in her day really didn't. She was somebody who understood the scriptures. For a young woman to understand the scriptures says a lot about her family. Okay, because she couldn't read. She would not be invited to all those discussions. But she would learn around the table. She would be a part of the family discussions at least. She was not as educated as many first century women. When she comes back to Nazareth, by this time she's probably really showing. And we're not sure when Joseph finds out about the pregnancy and has his dream. But, but it seems like possible she goes to see Elizabeth and comes back and Joseph says, oh, okay, something happened here, right? That Joseph suddenly becomes aware that she's pregnant. And now he's in a dilemma. If he marries her, then he is admitting that it's his baby and then he'll have shame. If he divorces her, it means she cheated on him. And really what he should publicly do then is accuse her of adultery so she gets stoned. He decides a middle road, and this middle road would have followed them their entire lives. And that is to try to divorce her quietly. If he'd done that, there'd always be this question. There'd always be the rumors in town. And in a little town like this, okay, a little town like Nazareth, you know there were rumors. Did you hear about Mary and Joseph, right? Did you hear about... Yeah, there'd always be a question if he divorced her quietly. Was it his? Was it not his? Why did he do that? Remember, though, an angel tells him to go ahead and marry her, that it's of the Holy Spirit. And he does. He marries her and doesn't know her until she has the baby. And when the Bible says know her, it means it's literally the biblical sense. Okay, so uh, he respects her, cares for her. But they cannot have the baby in Nazareth. They have to go to Bethlehem because of a census for the baby to be born there. You remember this part of the story, right? Okay. Perhaps they have relatives in the community. They stay there maybe a couple years if we follow the timeline. And Joseph, as a tecton, he could have worked wherever. He could have found work wherever. They could have stayed with family. Shepherds visit them. Magi from the east visit them. And the text says, Mary ponders all these things in her heart. Well, think about her for a second. You better believe she's pondering all these things in her heart. For this, for this young girl from Nazareth to now be in Bethlehem and going through all of this, you better believe this was crazy for her. She's away from a lot of her close family. They probably don't understand or accept what's going on. And then where do they go? To Egypt, right? So then they have to flee and go to another. So now there's young Mary with a baby, with Joseph, on the run in Egypt. Okay? And there's probably a Jewish community there. They may have known people. They could have found places to stay. Joseph could have worked there. But still, she's a refugee. You understand that? She's in another country fleeing for her life as a young, what, 13-year-old woman? Maybe 14, 15 by the time this happens. No older. Joseph is then warned, told in a dream that he can go back. They go back to Nazareth and apparently try to live a fairly normal life there. Although after you've been gone for a number of years and under all those circumstances, do you think all your neighbors think highly of you at this point? Okay. No, I wonder if Mary lost a lot of friends. If Mary had, was outcast by a lot of her relatives because of all of this. We get a glimpse of the family then when Jesus is about 12 years old. Luke tells this story that every year they would go to Jerusalem for Passover. They, in other words, they were a good Jewish family. 
They, they did what they were supposed to do. They went to the temple when they were supposed to go. How many of you remember this story? Okay, that Jesus is there, and they're all in the community, probably the whole town. Anybody who could travel, they would go as a group. All the family, all the town of Nazareth would head down to Jerusalem because everybody's supposed to go to Jerusalem for Passover. Okay? So they travel as a community. Jesus is about 12 years old, which, remember, is adulthood. Okay, so we think, oh, my goodness, Mary and Joseph lost their 12-year-old son. Okay? Remember, Mary was probably pregnant with Jesus at the same age. Okay? It's not the same as a 12-year-old today. Okay? But still, partway on their way home, they think Jesus is somewhere among the family, somewhere among the caravan, but then they realize he is not. They are running back to Jerusalem for three days. They hunt for him and finally find him in the temple teaching. What is he, what, and listen to Mary's words. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Jesus responds, why are you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house. So we get this first little moment of tension between Mary and Jesus, right? Jesus, how could you do this to me? How could you, tell you, how, how could you do this to me? Your father and I are having heart attacks over here. We're in great distress. Jesus says, but I, I had to be about my father's work. That had to be hard for Joseph to hear, by the way. I had to be about my father's work. Well, that's not my work. That's your other father. Imagine the complexity of those conversations on the walk home. What an odd exchange. But I wonder how many exchanges like that Mary had with Jesus over the years. Do you ever think about Jesus as a kid? What was Jesus like as a child? Uh, did Jesus have to learn how to walk or did he do it already? Did he automatically walk on water and just skip swim lessons altogether? Did he always know he was God? Because he was God, did he do well on spelling tests? If Jesus built a deck for somebody, was it a perfect deck? I mean a perfect deck. What was he like as a carpenter? If Jesus hit his thumb with a hammer, what did he say? <laughs> you ever think about that? Does he go, ah, me? And then that's, and it's not a... <laughs> what was it like? To be a parent of Jesus. After this incident, when he's 12, we don't hear anything more about Joseph. We think probably for certain he passed away. He's the oldest, so he takes care of his mother. That's probably why he does not get married. Um, sometime around the age 30, Jesus takes his mother to a wedding in a neighboring city of Cana. Because they're going to a wedding, and it's probably a relative. Mary's concern in the story probably tells us it's a relative. Weddings in those days are multiple day affairs, and the family was expected to keep everyone fed, and most importantly, everybody drinking. What you would do is you would use your best wine first, okay, because that's when everybody would remember. And then, by day two or three, people do not care near as much about what kind of wine is being served. So, and then, this is important. Whatever wine was left over was sold. It was auctioned off, and the money was given as a gift to the married couple. Okay? So, Jesus is at this wedding with his mother, and they run out of wine. Okay? Mary is upset about it. Probably, again, it's a cousin. It's a friend. Okay? She's like the aunt helping with the wedding in some way. And so when we're out of cookies or out of wine, she's one of the people that's got to be involved in this conversation. So she says, Jesus, you, you got to do something. You got to do something. 
And what does he say? Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, please understand before you get too offended that when Jesus says woman, it's not like me saying, woman, get me a sandwich. Okay, it's not that that that, that word is really a term of address or endearment. And plenty of times in the scriptures, people just say that as a, it's more like uh, ma'am. It's more like a, a term of address. So it doesn't, it's not as bad as you might think. Okay, but it does show a moment of tension, right? Here's Jesus saying, Mom, why is this my problem? Why is this my problem? This isn't my time. And I wonder if Mary's like, well, it's been 30 years, son. Like, maybe it is your time. Okay? Is is this subtly a get-out-of-my-house kind of moment? Okay, she wants him to act. but, But he has a different sense of mission and timing. But he does act, by the way. He listens to her. He turns water into wine, the best wine. In fact, the, instead of being shamed for running out of wine, the family is celebrated because they save the best wine for last, right? And then all that extra wine, what would they do with it? They would sell it and give it to the married couple. So not only is he saving face for the family, he is blessing this, this relative probably in the beginning of their marriage. Jesus' first miracle is... Extending the party. Okay. But it must have been hard for Mary to understand her son. God's son, my son. Even as his ministry started, she couldn't quite get who he was and what he was doing and the timing. We know it's hard for his community to understand. Nazareth never got it. In fact, Jesus stopped traveling in Nazareth because he couldn't, he couldn't do miracles and they wouldn't accept him there. Okay. They said, here's from Mark chapter 6. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Did you catch that important detail? Jesus had brothers and sisters. Jesus had brothers and sisters. What would it have been like to be Jesus' younger brother? Okay, If you thought your older brother was perfect, okay, this is Jesus' brother. Then a few verses later, in the text that we read, Jesus and, uh, well, in that, in that chapter, his family comes trying to take charge of him because, verse 21 says, they think he's lost his mind. They think he's lost his mind. Okay, now if, if your brother was started doing some of this stuff, you probably think that too, right? But it was hard for them. It's hard for Mary, hard for the brothers and sisters to accept who Jesus was. Then later in the text, the text that we read, Jesus is in a crowded house. And they're trying to get to him to stop him. But, but he's surrounded. They can't get to him. So what do they say? They say, Jesus, your, brother, your brothers and your family and your mom's outside. And, she, and he says what? My real family's here. Who is my mother? Who is my father? Ouch, right? Who had to tell Mary that? Is Mary standing outside the house? Um, Jesus said, who is my mother? Is Jesus disrespecting his mother here? I think, he, I, I think that's hard to say. I think that Jesus cares for his mother very much. He cares for his family very much. But there, there's a challenge here, right? The challenge is that Jesus is not fulfilling the expectations of his mother and his family. Okay? And uh, if you've ever had parents, you've ever, or you've ever been a parent, you understand that challenge, right? How many of us have lived our lives trying to live up to the expectations of our parents? Right? Now, I know people who try 
to do exactly what their parents wanted from them. And I know people who rebel and try to do exactly the opposite of what their parents wanted them to do. And they're still both controlled by what their parents expected them to be. But there comes a point in, in, in your adult life when you sort of have to figure out, I, I'm not who my parents wanted me to be, and that's okay. I need to be who I'm called to be. And sometimes as parents and grandparents, we have to learn how to, how to relax that a little bit for our children and for our grandchildren. To say, okay, what I want is not as important as what God wants, and you need to be able to find that. And I think Jesus is wrestling with this with Mary in these couple of stories. Mary wants Jesus to be a certain way, and she certainly don't, doesn't want him to go to the cross. She certainly doesn't want him to be ticking off all these power people. And yet, he has to keep doing it. Jesus, in a way, is preparing Mary during these difficult exchanges. Because we know that Mary is at the cross. Uh, we know from the text of the story that Mary is at the cross. And imagine your son, not just hearing that your son was going through all this. Okay, how many of you, it's terrible to hear what your children go through. Okay, she saw it. She was there at his difficult moment, hanging naked on a cross, tortured publicly. But even there, he cares for her. He gives her care into the hand of John. So now John has to take care of her. And we think probably that John takes care of her uh, with the rest of the disciples. So she's probably at some of the resurrection appearances. She's probably at the ascension. The ascension. She's probably even at Pentecost. How awesome would it have been for Mary to see her son die, but then to see him risen again. Okay, this... Nobody appreciated the resurrection more than Mary. Nobody has ever appreciated the resurrection more than Mary did. And how, how many of us have seen our children go off and, we, what, and what we would love to see is some resurrection and new life in their lives. And so she ponders in her heart for 33 years. And I'm betting that she had some pretty good advice to tell the disciples after all this because nobody probably understood it better than she did. Tradition says that she stayed with John, even in his exile to Patmos. She received a grave marker in Jerusalem because it's traditional that she went back there to be buried. It was not an easy life for Mary. God called her to walk through some difficult roads. And even in the little that we see of her life, we can sort of appreciate her difficulty. And while I don't think we should pray to Mary, I think she's a really great model for us. Because I think we have the same kind of challenges with Jesus that maybe she did. We have expectations of Jesus, right? I have what I want Jesus to do. I don't know about you. And Jesus will sometimes do what I want, but, but dang it, he just doesn't get the timing right. Have you noticed this? Jesus doesn't seem to care when you want something. He has his own sense of timing and his own sense of direction. And one of the frustrating things about being around Jesus, you might as well know it, is that he lets down your expectations. Because he's not supposed to live up to our expectations. We're supposed to live up to his. And so maybe in Mary's life, we can see a great model, not just for moms, but for how to understand who Jesus is and learn to follow him. So today, may you ponder all these things in your heart. And may you remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.